0: Welcome to the Fearless Warrior Podcast. This is a place where truth is shared, taboos are disrupted, secrets are revealed, and power is gained. I'm your host, Danny Temras, and it is my personal mission to empower women in becoming the best version of themselves. Each week, I'm bringing you inspiring guests to help you build your confidence and mental toughness so that you can live the life of your dreams. Hello everybody, this is Danny, and today's guest is Alex Klein and together we talk about her pro basketball career, healing her gut, life after sports and the steps one needs to take to reinvent herself. We also talk about empowering routines, habits, winner's mindset and more. You don't want to miss this episode. Enjoy and let me know what you thought. I'm excited to welcome a very special guest today. Alex Klein is a former pro basketball player, who's committed to serving retired athletes to transform their life post their sports career. Alex is a certified personal trainer and mindset coach. She helps clients transform their body, but the core of her work focuses on building mental resilience and toughness. Alex and I have met through a coaching group with with Tim Grover, and as I've gotten to know her, I know that she's one kick-ass woman who is going after things, building her venture, while she's still doing her nine-to-five, and helping numerous clients on the side. Alex, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here.
0: I'm very excited to have you. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm feeling energetic, feeling pumped up. I know it's it's Monday that we're recording this, but I feel good starting the week strong. That's amazing. Actually, since it's Monday, how did you start your day today? Well I'm a bit of a crazy person woke up at 445 did my workout I did uh, actually did a spin workout this morning and then I lifted some weights after and then I started my work day
0: <laughs> that's terrific I love it exemplifying the values that that you believe in that's that's super awesome well I really can't wait for my audience to really get to know you and we know like you you've spent part of your life dedicating to basketball and I'm just really curious to learn more about how you even just started playing, like what sparked this passion for this sport?
1: Yeah, so I started playing basketball in the second grade. My parents, my family, they were all always very, I guess, big into the athletic world and the sports world. And I'm really grateful for that. I know a lot of young kids, they don't get, you know, as many ideal opportunities to participate in sport. And I was a very blessed young kid to be able to play a ton of different things. And I ended up loving basketball. And that was the sport that in high school, I decided to keep pursuing as of course, you have to kind of zone down to just the one sport in order to totally contribute to it a hundred percent. So I enjoyed other sports as well, but that was the sport that I chose to pursue career wise, really. And then I decided to go to the US to play in school for the NCAA over there. Excellent. So, and what is it about basketball that you really enjoy? The competitive nature. I mean, the sport, of course, you know, being Canadian, I do have to say and be honest that the game is completely different from Canada to America. And that's just the reality of it. Going into more detail, I guess what I mean by that is the speed of the game. It's completely different. So that was a big adjustment when I did my transition from Canada to the U.S. More specifically, I played in the East Coast. So I played in Rhode Island and that was a big Difference coming in as a baby freshman, and you're always the best—you know, one of the top players in high school wherever you come from. And then you're kind of at the bottom of the period again when you get to a new team and a new country, and you feel like you have to rebuild it all over again. So that was the big adjustment, I would say, one of the bigger ones for me my freshman year. But with that comes all of the learning—you know, all the learning skills, all the other talents and characteristics that make up who I am now from battling that adversity and getting over those speed humps.
0: Absolutely. So tell me, how did
1: you actually um, get to the US and start playing? Yep. So I was on a couple of teams in the summer over here in Canada, out of Toronto. And we basically played for those two summers in the US at different tournaments. I believe we were the only Canadian team at majority of those. So with that, there were a ton of recruits, a ton of you know recruiting coaches watching at these tournaments. And then you would get Seen, you would get your visibility basically the full summers each year. So that allowed me to see a lot of different teams, learn about a lot of different schools. I focused not only on the athletic side of schooling, but also, you know, the academic side because I knew I wanted to study business. And that's obviously important post basketball, right? Wherever I want to work or whatever I wanted to do or thought I wanted to do at the time, I needed to make sure I had a good degree and good education as well. So Playing in the States those summers allowed me to be seen more and expand my knowledge of where I wanted to go.
0: Excellent. Basically, you were putting yourself in the environment so that you could increase your chances for success. So have you been wanting to study in the U.S. or pursue basketball in the U.S.? Was that always part of the plan or were the summer camps simply just an opportunity that you took um, while you were growing up?
1: That was always the plan for me. So in high school, I knew I wanted to go to the U.S. It's kind of a big deal, I would say, honestly, for whichever sport down here, for Canadians to go over there. Let's say it's kind of the dream, just because the level of play is more elite. And that's not to say or discredit any Canadian schools here at all. Our academics are especially very, very good over here, too. But I knew that the the game was more intense. It was more quick. It would have challenged me more. And so that was a dream of mine. And I knew that in high school. So I actually took a fifth year here, which a lot of uh, young, young students do. Most of my friends actually took a fifth year over here. So that's an extra year of high school. And I'm, I'm a December baby as well. So because I believed, I felt like I needed that extra year of development, take a few more courses. And then I decided to choose Rhode Island.
0: Nice. So tell me about a time in Rhode Island. How was the transition coming back from Canada? You live in Toronto now. I'm not sure that this is where you lived. During your high school years, but how was it going to a new country?
1: Very exciting. I'm always one to kind of take risks and dive into opportunities when they present themselves. I think that it's a huge fault. I think it's a big missed opportunity when people don't take these kind of things that are set out in front of them. I think that you know you'll never know where you could have gone if you stay in your comfort zone. That's one of the biggest things that I live by: is you got to get out out of your box. You got to take those opportunities when they come because you're not going to grow if you stay in that, in that box that you've made for yourself. So I loved the transition. I've heard horror stories of previous teammates, past friends of mine that have gone to different states, different countries, you know, even in their professional careers, and it was a horror story. But that's why you have to do your research and kind of get to know the coaching staff, get to know what kind of girls that they recruit there, get to know what the school environment is like, what's the atmosphere there. Those are key pieces, and I had done my research, so I felt great going over there. Excellent. So based on the research that you've done and your preparation,
0: and after you have spent some time in Rhode Island, has it met with your expectations? Or, uh, you know, I imagine there there's always some sort of a reality check, and no matter how well we can plan, there's always something unexpected. So how well do you think you, you chose that place or that that university, that team, and what was maybe surprising after you've arrived?
1: Not transition, I would say going back to what I just s- stated a little bit before. At the top, you're one of the best athletes in high school. You win this award, you win that award, you're MVP, whatever. And then you go to that new team in the new country. You're back at the, <laughs> at the bottom of the food chain. There's girls way stronger than you, way better than you, way quicker than you. You know, their IQ is way higher in the game than you. And it definitely puts your ego in check because you are no longer the best person on the team. If anything, I don't want to say the worst person, but you got to prove yourself. That was a big reality check. I think a lot of young athletes experience when they do go to that uh, Division One level in the NCAA, it is a reality check for a lot of people.
0: Nice. That sounds like a big learning point. And then obviously you have been successful also while playing in Rhode Island. So what do you think has made you a successful athlete?
1: My grit. That's what I would say, you know, I talked about, we've both talked about Danila, our, uh, our superpowers and consistency is my superpower when I set my heart on something, when I set my mind to something that I'm going to do X, Y, Z, I will accomplish it and I will get it done. So I know that my resilience and my consistency, my grit, my work ethic, all of those things, they led me to success because I was athletic. But I wasn't that, I would say I was talented, but I wasn't that that little athlete that you look at and you're like, holy crap, that's, you know, that's a Kobe Bryant. That's a really talented kid. I wasn't that kid. I think through my hard work and my dedication, my consistency, that proved me apart from the other athletes, the other individuals that I was surrounded by.
0: Excellent. Yes, good is so important. I couldn't agree more and unless you're putting a continuous effort then your talent can only carry you for for so long so
1: i would always say that you want that kind of kid over talent always if you have a kid that will run through a wall when you tell them to run through a wall for you you would want that kid over somebody with just pure talent who doesn't have that
0: i hear you 100% and this is valid in all walks of life uh, not just basketball pretty much anywhere if you're 100%. willing to put your heart and soul into your passion into a business and uh, the rewards will come sooner or later. Always. So how long have you played for the Rhode Island team?
1: So I played there from 2013 to 2017. So my four years of university.
0: Nice. And I know that there were some curveballs that life threw at you throughout the time while you were there. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: So I did play professionally after being in the U.S. So I went... Overseas to Europe, and I had my first pro season. I loved it; it was amazing. The girls were great. The country was magnificent. It's absolutely beautiful. I played in Luxembourg. You know, I had plans to continue playing in Australia at the time. I'd been speaking to a coach. I had bought new shoes. The whole bit, and then went overseas there. I began to get super sick, and I didn't know why. I didn't know what was going on. It was with my digestive system. Something was not right. It wasn't just a little bit of discomfort. Something was really, really wrong. And being overseas, being alone, experiencing all of that was a really frightening thing to experience. So yes, I had my teammates, but it just wasn't the same. You know, I lived alone and I felt like I couldn't do my job. I couldn't play. I play the sport I love. Play the sport I was getting paid to play. So that was really uncomfortable for me, experiencing all that.
0: I can only imagine what it must have felt like getting sick and then not being able to fully do what you love, right? Like basketball has been part of your life for so long. So tell us a little bit more about that, about the, the health challenges that you experienced.
1: Yeah. So basically the first week or so, a little bit less, maybe about five days, four or five days, I felt like I was getting the flu. I felt super weak. I felt really out of it. You know, and you're actually sick and like something touches you and it hurts. And it was even just like a little poke or something like that. I felt really weak with that. I couldn't even stand on the treadmill for longer than seven seconds. And I would have to run to the bathroom, and I was just not in control of my body. And that was super unnerving. It made, made me all anxious. And what I learned was that it was because I was actually, believe it or not, at age 20, low 20s, suffering from chronic stress. And some people may roll their eyes and say, oh, well, you know, you haven't experienced anything in life. Like, there's no reason for you to be stressed out. Well, I was, and it was essentially due to the relationship I was in with somebody back in America who I'd met in school. And then when I went overseas, that stress from that relationship and me being absent from in a different country or across the world, that took a toll on my mind. And that's why in turn, down the line, I became so passionate about mastering your mindset and having that mental resilience and building that mental toughness. I'm obsessed with that now because I learned a lot of things that would have helped me if I knew it back then. And I let, I let emotions take control of my mind and it actually break, broke down my body physically in response.
0: Wow. You said you let your emotions control your mind. And to an extent that might have manifested in the, in the chronic stress and the challenges that you've had being uh, in Europe. So how did you go about this? Like, how did you approach the situation?
1: Well, really, I tried to keep playing and I, I literally couldn't go up and down the court, right, without having to go to the bathroom or just feel, I always felt like I had to type thing. And it was just so obnoxious and also made me frustrated because, you know, I can't do my job. So I'm over here overthinking and creating unnecessary scenarios in my head, which was making the physical component worse. So with that, you know, I called my mom and we had some discussions and she basically said, Alex, you got to come back to Canada and see a health specialist. And as much as I didn't want to hear that, I knew she was right. And I knew that I had to do that because your health is the number one thing before anything else. You don't have your health. you What do you have? You have nothing. So I had to come back, saw a doctor about eight months later, figured out that I had Crohn's disease. The flare-up in Europe was the worst that I have ever had. So I've had, I think, two others for the most part since then. This was over... 2 3 years ago now. So now, you know, to make sure I don't have a flare up, there are certain things that I've had to figure out for me, what works out for me so that my mind when I get really emotional about something or you know, I feel like I'm losing control over my mind, how can I get back to a state of peace or a state of in my zone so that I don't allow external factors to break down my body anymore. I'm do my best to not let my digestive system falter because of my mind now.
0: Amazing. So from your coaching and all the personal development work that you've done, what do you actually do to show up in the zone or to prevent exactly what happened previously, right? To let your emotions take over and then to literally cause havoc in your body, right? So what do you do today to be mentally strong,
1: So like I was telling you, you know, when you asked how I woke up this morning, I'm a very routine oriented person and that helps lead me to a lot of success. So if I prepare myself well for the day, if I prep myself well for the week, whether that's nutrition wise, fitness wise, you know, lifestyle wise, social wise, I will feel well throughout every day and throughout the rest of the week. So I thrive in that kind of environment in that setting I I basically set up for myself. That's not to say I won't be successful if a curveball hits obviously if something comes up you adapt that's how you have to live the day right but with that said the structure having a good structure in place for myself is what keeps me on track
0: as a person who is very structured myself i can very much relate <laughs> <laughs> so you've got your morning routine dialed in and it seems um you're you're taking yourself first like the first thing in the morning it's not the work you do it's your health your well-being that is most important which is why you're dedicating those first hours to yourself. Is that right? Always. Yep. Excellent. And just, I know this is a little left turn here, but as a coach yourself, how many days do you train?
1: I train six out of the seven days. I am a big pusher in recovery days. So I think that rest days are are very important for the body and for your, your mind as well. I think that that gets overlooked by a lot of individuals, but your brain also needs a break. So Whether that's taking time for yourself, focusing on some self-care, doing something alone, independently, you know, being in your peace. I know a lot of successful individuals who you know them as well. They take time to meditate. They take time to do yoga. They have to find these times of peace for themselves in order for them to be successful and thrive in the other other areas of their life.
0: Absolutely. Yes, I I 100% agree. Every person can probably find a different routine that works for them. But at the end, what matters is that you find what works for you be it meditation, be it prayer, be it just being in the nature and let the nature heal you, everybody can find something that works for them. So that's amazing. Now, I do want to come back to this a little bit later, but let's go back to your story. So you were diagnosed with the Crohn's disease. You were back in Canada. Now, um, how was your recovery or even how long did it take you to get better?
1: It took me a few months. It actually took me a few months because I think what I think it was about three months. I think what made it worse was that nobody was telling me what it was. That was the worst part. Because so I'm sitting here like, all right, can somebody please tell me what's wrong with me? How can I fix this if we don't know what's going on? So that was, I think, the more, even more frustrating component because now I'm becoming anxious. I halted my career. I halted everything. And you know how you make that path for yourself. Nothing ever happens how how we expect it's going to. I learned that. That's one of my biggest takeaways from this whole adventure. But with that said, that was the most frustrating thing for me because I'm sitting there like, all right, you know, I'm getting antsy now. Somebody tell me what's going on.
0: So, how long did it take for you to get even the right diagnosis?
1: It took me eight months. That was a really, really. Oh, wow it was kind of stupid, to be honest. I don't, I don't like using that word really on the podcast. (laughs) Sorry, i was also going to ask you if I could swear later, but.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, you can. We're like, be you, do you podcast. So.
1: (laughs) So I came back, I saw one doctor and he was a tropical diseases specialist. Okay. So I had been to Africa. I had been traveling places. I had been who knows where. And, One of the questions, which is, it's appropriate that they should ask that and see my travel history was, well, did you go swimming in Africa? Where did you go? Blah, blah, blah. And I had, I had been in the water. So now he's asking me all these questions, explaining all these different parasites in the waters in freaking Africa. I'm like, are you telling me I could have a bug in my body from Africa? He's like, oh yeah, there's certain ones that can spring up like three years and you don't even know. And then, you know what I mean? So that caused me to be even more anxious thinking, oh my God, this guy's telling me I could have friggin' African bug in my (laughs) (laughs) So then eventually like the first thing they should have done is taken me for a colonoscopy. That's basic level stuff to me. I know I'm not a doctor, so anybody listening to this don't think I am. But with you know, that's kind of an obvious go-to is they should go in and see what's going on with my digestive system. So I switched doctors. I think that people should always get a different view, a different set of eyes on things. So I went to a different doctor and he was like a digestive specialist and the first thing they did brought me in for a colonoscopy. And I realized I was told that I either had ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease. So those are sister diseases. They're IBDs, irritable bowel diseases. And the symptoms are similar to one another. So I knew I had one of those and it ended up being Crohn's. So with that, it was a big learning curve. And I'd spoken to you before about the mind-body connection. So I had done a lot of research. I had started doing a lot of looking into Both of these diseases, because if I have one of these, you know, before I found out it was Crohn's, how do I manage this? How can I still be an athlete? How can I still transition to my next chapter of my life? Because I didn't feel comfortable going back and playing basketball at that time. So that was something I had to figure out and manage for myself.
0: Wow. Thank you for sharing. So there's a lot that you just shared, and I want to unpack this one by one. So um, starting probably with the Crohn's disease, uh, for those who are not as familiar with the disease, can you tell us a little bit more about what that is?
1: Yeah. Like I said, it's kind of, I'm sure most people listening have heard of IBS, but Mm -hmm. that's not an actual disease. So essentially, how do I explain this without going into gruesome detail? (laughs) (laughs) So it can be anywhere Crohn's can actually be anywhere from your mouth to your to your butt to your anus. Mine is in my large intestine. Typically it's in the small intestine for most people, but mine actually is in my large. So, you know, certain people have triggers or they have flare-ups from certain types of foods. Mine is heavily stress-induced. And what I mean by that is, you know, if something minor happens in my day, my system won't break down, but you know, if I was to get into a car accident, bless my soul, or if I was let go from a job, or if, you know, a relationship, mm-hmm. ended. At least something like that would cause, you know, I'm clearly stressed and emotional in my head. So with that, that low level stress has a trickle down effect. And that would impact my digestive system. Because with getting into I can get a little bit into the sciencey aspect of it through my research, but that trickle down effect has, higher blood pressure, your heart rate quickens, you have quicker breathing, and and it's activating the sympathetic nervous system. So that system was designed to fight off an animal or flight and run away way back in the day before in our modern terms now. But way back in the day, our muscles would tense as if we were actually getting ready to hit something or run and our blood pressure would go up. You know, if an animal came and and we deemed it as a threat, And that would get the blood to our muscles to activate them. So a lot of other functions then that weren't needed at that time would decrease because we didn't need that for immediate survival. Examples would be digestion or reproductive systems. You don't need your reproductive system or your digestive system in these flight or fight moments. So these major symptoms that we don't need to survive would stop working. And that's what happened to me. Uh-huh. So, that stress in my body caused the physical health impact from the chronic stress.
0: Wow, thank you so much for for giving that explanation. I think that that was extremely, extremely helpful. That is pretty tough when your digestive system stops working because of all the stress that you're experiencing, then you'll probably get faced with the question, okay, so what, what am I going to do about it? How do I restore my digestive system? You talked a lot about the mind-body connection. So what did you learn through that research, through that discovery, and how did you change your lifestyle to help your body heal?
1: So I think, yeah, there's the emotional component. I honestly, if we're talking about that, I guess that path, I did invest in, obviously, as you know, a mental toughness coach. I did a lot of reading. I became obsessed with looking up articles, reading blogs about other athletes that had come face to face with Crohn's, things like that, where I could meet other people, other individuals who had been in the same boat as me, who I can relate to and learn from because they experienced the same thing. I remember reading one blog, it was out about some marathon runner or triathlon runner or something of that. And even, I think he did Ironman runs or something and he got Crohn's and, you know, with this, if you're in a flare up, you can't work out. There's no way. So it's, I think reading all of these stories and then figuring, okay, so all these other people are able to figure it out and manage their bodies again. That means I can do it. I just got to figure out what it is. So to be honest with you, Daniela, I'm still taking it day by day. So I'm very much in control of my body and I'm confident telling you that, but I'm still, I just went to my first naturopath. I'm still reading other resources and trying to learn more because I feel like you can never learn enough, especially when it comes to health. So, you know, with the natural component of it, that's the physical component, obviously. And now I'm kind of learning, okay, are there mostly it's stress that, that affects me, but are there certain foods that, Maybe they won't cause a flare up, but I should stay or stay away from. Do I feel bloated after eating ABC? Am I getting inflamed? Am I really in pain after eating something? So I'm still learning as I go on things that I could add or extract to my lifestyle physically as well.
0: And I love that learning approach or learning mindset. Mm -hmm. we always can learn something new right and especially when it comes to our body and to our health like we've been studying the human body for centuries now and yet we keep finding new pieces of information so that just shows us how genius human body is and how much we yet need to learn so so i love that you you're you're not stopping you're continuing to educate yourself and to Uh, learn more about your body and even listen to your body more uh, carefully and pay attention to the small nuances in a way how the body speaks
1: yeah i don't think people listen to their bodies enough the book that i'm currently reading actually i'm in the midst of reading it it's called gut and it's about how your (laughs) your stomach your gut is your second brain it's really your brain because it's actually triggering this (laughs) it's very before i get all you know into this stuff because clearly I'm passionate about it, and some listeners, <laughs> but um, it's the most underrated organ is your gut. So, all the stuff going on there, there's the most bacteria, there's the most gears turning in your gut. And that's actually what triggers your brain to think certain things. So you know, when you get that gut feeling, there's a reason for that. Your gut is actually telling you that, it's not your brain. There's a lot more to it scientifically, but it's very interesting because now there's more research and science backing up this this component and and it makes perfect sense for people like me who did experience a physical breakdown because there is a huge link that hadn't even been researched or looked looked into for years and years and years and now it's getting more emphasized.
0: Absolutely. Yes, this is something I'm personally very fascinated about as well and actually even right now, myself, I'm working on healing my gut too. <laughs> I have noticed that um, I need to rebuild my gut flora to an extent. So I'm actually following Dr. Vincent Pedre, who's written the Happy Gut book. And also there's a Happy Gut diet that uh, helps you Rebuild your digestive flora, but also help you relieve from many of the negative side effects that we might experience.
1: You ever hear about like when people have really bad acne or they have really bad breakouts or they have really bad like skin things that come up? Like that's your digestive system. Isn't that crazy? If your gut flora and your bacteria in your gut is not happy and you're eating something that doesn't agree with you, whatever, it literally causes all these things on your skin. And it'll show up physically. Like that's crazy to me. You know, the whole idea that if you fix your gut, this stuff goes away. is that nuts? It's amazing. And at the same time, it is just
0: so unbelievable that we haven't put this together or that this is not really taught in schools, like as 101 basics of translating the body's language into what does this mean? Oh, I got to pay attention to this. Or at the end, like, how do you fix your gut? It's actually through your food right? Like what do you eat on a daily basis? What do you feed your body? But at the same time, as you said, emotions play a very important part too. So how you take care of your mind and heart, right? Your souls, like all of those together. It's not separated. We're not just one box or that just digests food. No, we are magnificent human beings. And that means that we're more complex than we think. So I could go on and on and about this. So thank you for sharing already uh, what you did because that was very helpful, and I think a lot of people can probably relate to you about yeah, the struggles with the digestive system and how that manifests. So it's great to hear from somebody who has reached a great level or performance level. You've been probably already at a peak health as a basketball player, yet you still had those symptoms and those challenges. So that means that disease doesn't choose, you know, based on who you are, your status, or anything. So I want to go back a little bit to what happened after you got diagnosed. So you, I believe you moved back uh, to Toronto. What did you do
1: after? So I was trying to figure out my health for a few months. I was actually, oh boy, (laughs) in this process, I was actually supposed to go work in the US in Connecticut for a fitness and therapy business, actually. And I was going to be the marketing manager there. That was the whole plan. There was a lawyer for me in Connecticut. I had the owner of the business backing me up. And I actually went to the border with my best friend in the car. We had packed up my entire car to the brim. It was literally bursting. I had all my belongings in there. And that was the day I was supposed to go and get my work visa and continue on in that chapter. And then the visa got rejected at the border. So without getting into detail, I don't know what happened, but the lawyer had messed something up with the paperwork. And I had to go back to Canada and figure out what I was going to do again. Fast forward a little bit, a few months later, I started working at Fox 40 International Uh, here in Hamilton, Ontario. So I'm originally from Waterloo, which is about an hour away from Toronto. I typically just say Toronto. (laughs) And now I am located in Hamilton, which is a little bit outside of it. And I basically worked in sales. I worked in sales there. I loved it because it was related to sport. They actually make the whistles and coaching boards used in sports worldwide. So I, I was doing projects for the NFL, for the Toronto Raptors, for know different NBA teams. So that was kind of neat because I was still involved in sports in a way. And that made me happy. And then they did some restructuring and then I had to find a new job again. So it was almost like this vicious circle that I felt, oh my God, I can't get out. I can't get out of this damn circle. You have those negative feelings. You have like all these thoughts, these limiting beliefs, these these negative things that happen to you. And then you just get down on yourself. And I very much learned my lesson throughout this whole adventure. And I like to use that word adventure. (laughs) Because I am so grateful that all of this happened to my core, because I wouldn't be the person I am today or the coach I am today without any of that happening. I still work an eight to five job. Basically, right now I'm working from home with the whole pandemic stuff that's going on. But uh, I actually work eight to five for a company in Burlington, Ontario, and then I do coach as well. So that is advancing pretty quickly. That's really exciting part of my life that I spend a lot of time on outside of my full time right now.
0: Amazing. So tell me, how did you find your path to coaching or even, so you said you were struggling with a lot of negative beliefs yourself, right? Or you you thought you were in a vicious cycle and how did you break through from, from those beliefs?
1: That's a good question. So honestly, when they did the restructuring at that, that initial first company I mentioned, oh man, I was so emotional that one day. I was very, very heartbroken. I love that company. And then I woke my ass up that next day, Daniela, and I went to a supplement store in my city here. And I thought to myself, well, you know what? Why would I sit on my ass all day and be emotional and be down on myself and feel shitty about myself when that doesn't do anything for me? It doesn't better the situation, it just makes you feel worse. So that was, I think, a very big pivotal moment for me. Because I woke my ass up bright and early, and I went to the first supplement store nearby. I said, if I'm going to work minimum wage, I might as well not hate my life doing it. I'm going to do it in something athletically related. I had never worked in supplements before. I knew nothing about supplements. I'd always avoided these places because you could get suspended from the NCAA and pro, and you know if you take the wrong ingredients or whatever. So I just avoided it entirely. And then they hired me that day. So I started work. (laughs) I loved it. I learned a ton of stuff about the body, about what supplements are good for, what to avoid, which brands are good, which brands I should stay away from. I learned a ton. And with that, I ended up becoming a sponsored athlete. I got super back into the fitness world. So I'm big into strength training now, just nothing basketball related, which is kind of exciting because I learned to still develop and have a love for a different fitness route that had nothing to do with basketball, which is funny to some people, but it's neat because you can still be fit in a different way than what you've been doing your whole life. So that was really cool. And basically what I mean by sponsored athlete, a lot of people don't know what that means is so I get supplements. Provided to me every single month that I can use obviously in my health and my lifestyle. But when I go to the gyms, I use their stuff and it's kind of neat. And I became a kickboxing instructor in a city right beside me here as well. And I just started helping out at a spin studio. So I'm very heavily involved in a bunch of different fitness kind of oriented places nearby. And and I'm growing pretty rapidly in, in the coaching world too. So that's really exciting. I'm, I'm big into as well, I should say. I always think that coaches should have coaches. I think that it's a big red warning sign if somebody has a coach of any kind and they are not always trying to better themselves, to grow, to learn, to keep up with what's going on in the world. So I actually just hired another coach for myself as well that's going to help me with my business and my own fitness because I feel that I'm always pushing other people and I like to keep getting my ass pushed too. So lots of exciting things came from that period of distress, let's say. So I'm very grateful for it in in turn.
0: Incredible. Incredible. I should do a, a drum roll here.
1: <laughs> I love it. We learn
0: so much from uh, the adversity and the challenges that life throws at us. And often we can only tell how much we've grown or how great that experience was for us only when we look back, right? Like once we mm-hmm go through the messy and the ugly and when we actually manage to come out victorious and strong we know how much we have grown because of it which is when we become grateful for the experience itself so even though it has caused you some sacrifices right like you needed to leave Europe and you were pursuing your dreams and you are at the top of your game now you're impacting women and and men all over in your reach, and you're helping them both transform their minds as well as bodies, their health. But there is also like through your work, I know you've told me now you've decided to focus on a very special niche. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Of course I can. So my whole passion of, as we've talked about going from an athlete identity. I'm still an athlete, but from, you know, pro athlete identity to that next chapter, it's a very uncomfortable phase for a lot of individuals. And I think it gets overlooked as well. And I know a ton of my past teammates, a ton of previous athletes in different sports or people, you know, friends of friends. So many people I know can relate to this is they felt that they went into a dark hole when they had to do that transition. They gained a lot of weight they ate very poorly, or they ate the same as in school, but they're not doing three to four workouts anymore per day. They can't eat like that. And then they lose self-confidence. They lose motivation. They no longer have mandatory workouts, team meetings, weightlifting, all of these things that structurally were very important for success and their health and their lifestyle. So when that is extracted from their lifestyle, they lose themselves. And so that is what Sparked that passion inside of me and that whole kind of, I guess, focus on the mindset part of fitness. I love fitness, but if you don't have the right mindset going into it long term to help you gain these long term sustainable habits within yourself, what's the point? Because you can lose, it's amazing to lose 10 pounds, whatever, in two months, three months. It's amazing. And I do give props to anybody that can do that. But what's more impressive. And more amazing is if you can take that weight and keep it off and keep improving yourself over a very long period of time. That's what's the most important thing. So I help people. I help ex-athletes, ex-female athletes is what I'm more so sticking with now. Go from feeling defeated with lack of routine and zero confidence to empowered and loving themselves again. So that is what I do.
0: I loved it. Being empowered and loving themselves more. That's so important. Couldn't all of us use some of that? I'm curious. So what are you up to these days? You're building your venture, you're working, you're nine to five that you seem to enjoy. What is kind of the big thing you're working on?
1: Well, the biggest thing that I'm working on is my coaching. The one thing, again, I'm kind of repeating myself, but the fact that I just hired another coach for myself. So that will be actually starting in uh, September for me. And I'm going to learn a lot of things from that experience, you know, me putting myself through that process, both, you know, in the fitness world and then learning even more with my business, that's going to help me run, run my business, my coaching business more successfully. So I'm obsessed with personal development. I'm sure you are as well. And a lot of people listening would be too, and that's why they're here. And so that's a really exciting thing for me to be focused on right now.
0: Well, I can't wait to hear how your work with your new coach is is going. And it's true. We can all use a coach. I have a coach myself. And I think it was one of the best decisions for for me to hire a coach, especially at a time when I really needed her. It's actually a her. And there's always more. So I'm wondering, what would be your advice to an aspiring athlete who's maybe playing basketball, a different sport, and they, they want to go pro and they have all of these ambitions? What would you advise them to focus on or to keep in mind?
1: I would say go all in, go with everything you have, heart and head into that path, into that sport, if that's what you want to do to continue your career. But at the same time, just know that things do not happen how you plan it out to happen. And that goes in life. I know you agree. I know everybody agrees once you've been through it. You can try to set yourself up for success. We just both said, Daniela, that we're very structured individuals. But we've also both know that shit doesn't happen always how we plan it to. <laughs> no. <laughs> take COVID, take this pandemic situation. Nobody planned for this. But the people who are able to survive are the ones who are able to adapt to the situation, stay optimistic, stay goal oriented, and don't let distractions awry them from their big picture goal. And that's, I know, easier said than done. I get it. There are more obstacles in the way, but you've got to stay persistent. you got to stay... I guess, open-minded and keep that grit throughout the process. Because if you give good energy out into the world, and if you are nice, positive, you, know, you don't got to be nice, but you know, <laughs> you got to be, if you're positive and you're hardworking and you're putting out good energy every single day, you're super passionate in what you do, good things will come to you. They will show up. And that, that's manifesting itself into reality.
0: Yes they will absolutely come they will show up give it time resistance and patience and they will um so you spoke about the the athletes right who are who are pursuing their goals now let's talk also a little bit more about the retired athletes right you were talking about how some of them may hit the dark hole and they find themselves in a tough spot in life so what, what do you think is the key of reinventing yourself or what would you advise those athletes for whom their sports career might have finished in a way or in a form they have known it yet there are other opportunities in front of them
1: they should decide to dive in whatever it is that they want to do next okay doesn't matter who knows but again i go back to the structure because these athletes right especially if they're some kind of elite athlete not necessarily professional okay i work with athletes who even varsity athletes whatever but these people are used to some kind of routine They're used to having somebody tell them when and where to be. They're used to somebody instructing them usually, usually, or suggesting what they should eat and when, right? All of these different components that help lead them to their success and win the championship in a lot of ways. That's how our minds have been wired as athletes. And I know that. And so with that, because I thrive off of that myself, I do truly believe that they need to keep some kind of structure for themselves, keep that accountability, and don't bullshit. Don't bullshit. Don't give me excuses. Don't give yourself excuses because you're going to fall off the wagon if you do. As an athlete in Rhode Island, let's, let's say, for example, right? They're giving you a scholarship. They're essentially paying you to go play and show up and do your job. That was really a job, right? So if I didn't show up and didn't do these things and didn't come to practice and didn't do all these workouts, I wouldn't have lasted there. My butt would have been back here in Canada. So that's the accountability. You have to show up for yourself at the end of the day. Yes, I'm a coach and I'm instructing, I'm recommending, I'm suggesting all these things and giving you a little bit of guidance on what I think that you should do to be healthy, to lead a healthy lifestyle and be successful. But you got to meet me halfway, right? And I reiterate that a lot to my, my previous athletes because you had some, some kind of structure as an athlete and you have to keep that accountability now, it's just in a different way.
0: I love it. No BS. Keep a structure. Keep accountability. Be honest to yourself and do your job. Do your part. It's so simple, right? It sounds simple, but it's not easy, but it can be done.
1: <laughs> I don't want to get up at 4 a.m. every day. I don't want to get up at 4.45. I don't want to get up at whatever time I do. I don't want to do that. Every time my alarm goes off, I'm sitting there like, man, I open my eyes. I'm like, okay, a few deep breaths. I'm up. My alarm doesn't go off twice, ever, because I know that I'm there to get the job done. I know that I will regret if I do not get up. So I have that accountability for myself. Some people think I'm crazy, but I know that that's why it's it's fun for me to work with athletes because a lot of these people are obsessed with success, and they're obsessed with bettering themselves, and they'll do crazy things like that, right? To me, it's not crazy, but I know the average person will find it crazy. So I thrive off of working with like-minded individuals. And that's how we met as well, right? Through our mental toughness coach, Tim Grover. So I'm big on the whole environment thing and surrounding myself with people who who are like-minded and who are better than me. Put me around people who are better than me. And that's why I, I like to work with athletes because they're used to being around people that push them. And I thrive as well as they do in situations like that.
0: Wow, Alex, you're just so inspiring. And I couldn't agree more with what you just said. And I can feel your competitive spirit and your competitive nature just in what you're sharing with us, right? Because there is an athlete in you. Like you have been an athlete, you still are, and you're exemplifying those qualities every day. And I think we can all do that ourselves or even just from the previous experiences that we've had, those that have shaped us and have made us into who we are, we can always tap into that power. Mm-hmm. So I guess with that, I'd like to close and ask you the final question. Are there any final parting thoughts? You've already shared a lot and a lot of wisdom that others can benefit from. But anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Yes, there is. The one thing, (laughs) and I know it's going to ring a bell to you. And this is why I asked if I could swear. Because the one thing that I wish that I learned a long time ago, and I still catch myself having to tweak it and exercise it a lot, is the I don't give a fuck muscle. (laughs) <laughs> that has been something that was very uncomfortable for me at the start. I did used to care what people thought about me. I did used to care about perceptions and all of that bullshit. And honestly, I don't have the time, energy, or focus to even comprehend other people's thoughts about me. Yes, I want people to respect me, right? I want the people who are close to me to respect me and think highly of me. But at the end of the day, irrelevant people, You cannot be taking, you know, my focus away from me. So that's something that I would leave with people, any goal, any career, whether they're an athlete or not, work on tweaking and working out your I don't give a fuck muscle. Make sure that you're only caring when you need to.
0: Amazing. And maybe just for for those who are not as familiar with Tim Grover, so I don't give a fuck muscle, basically. what, What that means is not caring so much about what other people think, but following your intuition, your goals and going after it no matter what. So many times we actually hold ourselves back by thinking and overthinking about what other people think and what they told us that we should do or the expectations that they have towards us. And at the end, this is just what keeps us down. So unless you can move on from that, you cannot grow, in my opinion. Thank you so much for taking the time today. This was so phenomenal. I really enjoyed this conversation. Many of my listeners may be wondering, okay, this girl is great. Where can I find her? Like, where where can people follow you? Tell us.
1: Yep. So if anybody is on Instagram, as most people are, my name is at Kleiner underscore winning edge. So it's at K-L-E-I-N-E-R underscore winning edge. I'll pop up there. And then I also have a website where you can apply for my one-to-one 90-day coaching. So that's www.alexkleinswinningedge.com.
0: Great. We'll put all of uh, the information in the show notes so others can find you. Alex, thank you so much for today. This was amazing. I really enjoyed this conversation. I really wish you only the best. You're on such a great journey. You're on a great start.
1: And Go (laughs) rocket. Thank you so much. That means the world. Thank you for having me.
0: What a conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you for spending some time with me. And most of all, for investing time in yourself. If you found value in this podcast, share it with your friends and family. And give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our episodes. This will greatly help us spread the word and help others find it more easily. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Danny Timras. Shoot me a note and let me know what you thought of today's conversation. I always welcome any feedback or questions. Remember, now that you're here, you're part of a tribe. In this tribe, we care for each other. We lift each other up as well as share the raw, honest, unpolished truth that we often need to hear. So before you go, think about the next best action you can take to get you on your path to success. Don't wait for tomorrow. Make a commitment and do it now. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great day.